Hey y'all, what if you really could change your life? If there was a way to be healthy and intentional in every area of your life? Good news, there is. And we show you how each week on All of You Whole. Hosted by me, Caroline Fossil, entrepreneur, wellness expert, author, and speaker. Every episode is an in-depth look at how to help you get unstuck, be brave in your life choices, and have a meaningful life all either from my own experiences or from the experts I interview. My goal is to help you build a healthy, connected, and intentional life that fulfills your greatest purpose. Hey friends, welcome to the latest episode of the All of You Whole podcast. I am joining you today solo, which typically happens about once a month, and I'm really excited to be back with you guys. On Instagram, we talked about my semaglutide usage, the symptoms I've been experiencing, and also I wanted to take some time to answer any of your questions, and so I got a ton of questions on that Instagram reel, which I will link in the show notes if you haven't seen the reel with my latest progress. But I wanted to take some time here to answer those questions. So we're talking all about semaglutide today and its weight loss effects, how it works, all the things. So I hope that this is helpful for you because most of you guys didn't even necessarily have questions. You were basically just really curious, which is great. So I'm happy to tell you what I know. My disclaimer here is that I am not a doctor, right? Take this information and be sure to run it by your doctor if you're considering getting on semaglutide or a similar GLP-1 medication. Definitely run this information by your doctor because they know your current medical situation, what's going on with your body, and if this is a good solution for you. So first of all, let's go to the basics. What the heck is semaglutide? Let me just start by saying that I am not one to keep up to date with pop culture. That is not me. I don't know who's related to each other. I don't know who is dating who, and I just don't know all the hot guys of celebrity culture. That's just never been part of who I am. I just don't keep up with that stuff. And so even a a few years ago, I remember sitting a friend down who like does keep up with all of the hot goss of celebrity culture. And I'm like, I don't understand the Kardashians. Who are they? What's going on? Like, how are they all related? How did they get famous? Like, I just don't know any of these things. And I kept hearing their names all the time. I'm like, who's Kim Kardashian? I have no idea. So that is like how out of touch I am with celebrity culture, if that gives you any idea. So when my health coach, Cynthia Mathis, and you're going to hear her name over and over in this podcast because she is helping me so much. So when Cynthia Mathis suggested that I try semaglutide, I honestly had never heard of it, not a single time. And so here's the deal. Semaglutide, along with other brand names like Wegovi, and there's a bunch of them. Ozempic, I'm sure you've heard of them. They are all GLP-1 receptor antagonists. I know that sounds a little crazy, but GLP-1 stands for glucagon-like peptide 1. So they're agonists and they work in a few different ways. So 
I'm happy to tell you how they work. This is gonna get a little scientific, but according to a study called Clinical Review of Subcutaneous, which just means under the surface of the skin, semaglutide for obesity. The reason that they say subcutaneous here is because you can actually take this medication orally or subcutaneous, so that's why they're making that specific. And I will link this study in the show notes. It says, the exact mechanism behind how GLP-1 RA promote weight reduction is not entirely understood. So they know that it works, but they don't fully understand why it works so well. But many potential mechanisms of action have been suggested. So in the pancreas, GLP-1 upregulates the secretion of insulin from pancreatic beta cells while increasing insulin sensitivity throughout the body. GLP-1 also acts on the alpha cells of the pancreas to simultaneously decrease the release of glucagon. So there's a few different ways that this works, and one of which that you just heard is that it helps your body essentially be insulin sensitive again. So when you're insulin resistant, that means that your body's not producing enough insulin to keep your blood sugar down. And honestly, in the long term, that leads to diabetes. I also got a question from Danielle who said, hey girl, no, she didn't say that. She said, you look great and congratulations on your progress. My question is around how the medication actually improves insulin sensitivity because this is one thing that I talked about is that I'm excited about this medication because I am currently insulin resistant and I need to improve my insulin sensitivity. Danielle also said, I didn't realize this. Do the changes last after the medication is tapered off assuming people continue the good eating afterwards. So a few things to talk about here. Number one, thank you, Danielle, for saying I look great. I'm super happy with my progress and its effect on my long-term health. I'm really excited about that. And I didn't get on semaglutide for the visual effects. Sure, it's super great to feel good in my body, to lose weight, like, sure, that's fun. But for me, I felt really passionate about lowering my blood sugar because of the long-term negative side effects of both being overweight and lower and having too high of blood sugar. And I wanted to note that the studies on semaglutide and semaglutide-like GLP-1 medications actually show that patients regain the weight that they lost. But I think that's because a lot of patients come to these GLP-1 medications as a magic pill, okay? They come to it and they say, I'm overweight, I'm obese, I really need to lose this weight, and so getting on this medication is my answer. And... Unfortunately, a lot of people are not changing their lifestyles to a healthy lifestyle. They are exclusively taking this medication. So if you have unhealthy eating patterns, if you're continually overeating, additionally, if you haven't healed your body in other ways before starting the medication, I think that you will regain this weight. Let me tell you a little more about what I mean by that. So 
For me, I have been attempting to heal my body for four years. You guys, if you've heard my other Healing Journey Update podcast, I have had pretty much every root cause in the book. So I've healed myself of mold exposure in my childhood home, detoxed that out of my body. I had some thyroid issues. My thyroid was really sluggish, probably also caused some weight gain. My thyroid levels this last time that I tested were actually too good. So that's great. And what else? I had chronic EBV. I think that my adrenal, like high cortisol because of stress, even though it wasn't conscious stress, my body was stressed. High cortisol, which is a stress hormone over time, led to adrenal burnout. And that is why my blood sugar is still really high. Okay. So What I'm saying, it doesn't even necessarily matter the specifics. I can only speak for myself, but I felt for myself like my body, like both gaining weight and holding on to weight was a symptom of a problem. And I wanted to be sure that I was getting to the root cause of whatever that problem was to heal that problem. And I remember telling Cynthia and telling my husband, if I get to a point where I am 20 pounds heavier than I want to be, than what I consider my quote unquote normal, but my lab work is coming back great, my hormones are great, my blood sugar is great, if everything's looking awesome, And I can see that in my lab work and in all of my testing, but I'm still 20 pounds overweight, then I will stay that 20 pounds overweight. Like that will be not overweight necessarily, but like over what I want to be. Then that, that will be where I stay. Like to me, it's not about the weight. It is about making sure that I'm my healthiest self. And so when we got to this point where my GI map came back awesome. Like all the stuff in my gut was pretty much healed. Everything was looking pretty good, but continually, every time I checked my fasting glucose, my fasting glucose was still too high, significantly too high for my preference. So that was my last problem. So I guess what I'm saying is, if you come to this solution of a GLP-1 medication, but you still haven't gotten to the root cause of why are you overweight or obese? Is there a problem there to solve? Maybe not. But if there is a problem to solve, in addition to blood sugar, then the GLP-1 medication may work, but it may not be a lasting solution for you. If you continue to eat the way you've always eaten, If your lifestyle remains the same and you're not practicing a healthy lifestyle, then you very well could regain the weight. And obviously, I'm three months into this semaglutide journey, not even, and I don't know yet if the like 13, 14 pounds I've lost are going to stay off. I can't tell you that. Wait for a future update to find out. But I feel more confident going into taking this medication because I really feel like blood sugar is the last piece of my current puzzle. Additionally, Cynthia Mathis has told me that if blood sugar is your issue, the weight just falls off. Like honestly, you guys, I lost maybe eight pounds like the first week. It was insanity. And I had to work really hard to be sure I was eating enough, which we'll talk about in a second. And I've consistently lost a pound to two pounds a week since that first week. But I just really feel like solving these root cause problems and coming to GLP-1 agonists 
therapists as a last resort is the way to go. At least I feel excited that's how I came to this process. And I feel like most hopeful that it's going to work because of that. Additionally, I do think it has to do with your metabolism and how you quote unquote refeed when you're coming off this medication. A lot of the things I've heard that are negative about GLP-1s are that this is medication for life and I do not believe that to be the case. I will not be on GLP-1 the rest of my life. Like I just will not be. And so I think it has to do with how you're feeding your metabolism, how you're feeding your body while you're on this medication because that first week, I was essentially not eating because one of the things that these GLP-1 medications do is they slow down food as it goes through your system so you feel full all the time. So like honestly, I could not eat and not have any problems with that. Like I wouldn't even notice. I have to be sure, track what I'm eating and be sure I'm getting in enough food because you feel so full all the time. You can additionally have some nausea and some GI upset while you're on this medication. And so eating might not be the thing that you want to do. So if you're consistently under eating, you're going to just kill your metabolism. And this is what I did when a doctor told me to do, to eat a thousand calories and go keto. I just shot my metabolism. And so that is what I'm trying to not do with this medication. So I do think that that's an, also an important thing when we're talking about this medication. So someone asked, other people gain the weight back. Aren't you scared you'll gain it back? So I just covered that. I'm not scared I'm going to gain it back. I also just feel really supported by Cynthia. And when we're talking about fear, there was a point after I lost weight doing a thousand calories in keto, which to be clear, I don't suggest. I had this fear. It was like debilitating because I would look at a spinach salad and gain weight. And so I just felt if I could get to 152 pounds, I can quickly get to 300. And so I did have a fear associated with this weight gain. But now because of Cynthia Mathis' support and because I feel so encouraged by all of the knowledge that she she has, I'm really not scared. I feel like I know what I'm doing. She knows what she's doing. Up until this point, I have followed her advice and lost the weight I wanted to lose, healed my body in the way that I wanted to. And so even if I start gaining a pound, two pounds, I feel like Cynthia can keep me on track. And so I definitely feel like if you want support, reach out to Cynthia Mathis on Instagram at Cynthia Mathis Wellness. I can't imagine doing this without her. And I do think I would feel that fear if I didn't have the support. Okay, so Jen said, I have so many questions slash I'm in the same loop with resistant even amidst perfect diet, tons of fitness, etc. Can I call you? I mean, I'm just going to call you. Okay, so this is my friend Jen. She did call me. We did talk about it. And I told her, especially for people who are in this loop of I'm eating paleo or I'm eating clean, I'm not overeating, I'm working out, I'm doing the things, right? You feel like how in the world am I overweight or continuing to gain weight and I'm doing the right things, right? So I talked on the phone with Jen and here's the deal. Just like I said in the intro, I'm not a doctor. I can't tell you personally if semaglutide or Ozempic or Wegovy are right for you. But what I can tell you is if you've never checked your blood sugar, I do think that's mission critical when you're trying to decide if semaglutide is right for you. If your fasting glucose is above what you want it to be, 
then it's a sign that blood sugar is an issue for you for whatever reason. However you got here, blood sugar is an issue for me. I was waking up with a blood sugar of 104, 109, so high for me. And that is when I realized that blood sugar is an issue for me. And since healing other things first and getting to the point that was the last piece of the puzzle, that's why I felt like semaglutide was right for me. What you do is you can go to your Walgreens, your CVS, and you get like a diabetes blood sugar monitor. So what that is, you prick your finger, you put blood on the little test strip, it tells you your blood sugar, it tells you your blood glucose. Additionally, you guys know I have my NutriSense continuous glucose monitor on, and that has been critical when it comes to me figuring out my blood sugar even amidst taking semaglutide. I've loved my NutriSense. So you can head to allofyouhole.com forward slash NutriSense to see if NutriSense is right for you. They have a quiz to see if you even qualify to get started with NutriSense. But I would say honestly too, if your blood sugar is a little bit high, not exorbitantly high, it doesn't feel like a huge issue, and you're struggling with weight loss resistance, and you feel like you've gotten to the root cause of a lot of things in your life, even just the NutriSense alone and some of the tips that I've shared on my NutriSense podcast episode with a NutriSense dietitian, that could be enough for you to really get over the hump of your weight loss resistance. Maybe trying some of the tips, some of the hacks to lower your blood glucose will be enough for you. And I would say try that before you go on this medication. On that note, Liv asked, is the CGM NutriSense and semaglutide separate? Does NutriSense do it all or are you doing two different things? And yes, I can see how that was confusing, Liv. I did start both things around the same time. So I have my NutriSense continuous glucose monitor. I also started semaglutide around the same time. And the NutriSense, it is a device. It's a continuous glucose monitor. It's on my arm. It tracks my glucose throughout the day. You have to scan within eight hours. It can only store eight hours worth of data. Honestly, I sleep a crap ton. And so sometimes like my late night, my first few hours of sleeping aren't caught because I really do sleep a lot. But then you can also track your meals. You can track your exercise. And so it will keep track of your glucose response to meals. And tracking your meals is really helpful for that. It can tell you which meals did really well in your body and which didn't. Because sometimes maybe you have a food intolerance. It shoots your blood glucose straight up. So really fine tuning using a NutriSense can be really helpful. Ashley said, I have such mixed feelings on it, especially when people are coming off of it. So what side effects have you had and what have you heard about when people are coming off of it? Okay, so let me talk to you about my side effects that I've personally experienced because I got this question a lot. This was probably the most common question. There is a study, it's called the safety of semaglutide. So I will put that in the show notes too. And this study talks about the side effects and they even have a handy chart as studies do. In table two of this chart, here it lists some of the side effects. Some of the side effects are GI upset, right? So a lot of people had gastrointestinal nausea. Other symptoms are a confirmed symptomatic hypoglycemic episode. So because this medication is working to lower your blood sugar, you could have an experience of hypoglycemia, meaning low blood sugar. I personally have not had that and I can confirm that 
on using my NutriSense CGM. I have had nausea. It was worse when I first got on the medication and even upping my dose, I'm currently on 0.5 milligrams, even upping my dose, I still haven't had as much nausea and um, stomach aches as I did in the beginning. So that's gone down. Vomiting. So I have vomited probably three times. I think that it is associated with when I first do my shot. So I do my shot on Sunday evenings. I at first was doing them Saturday evenings, but I lead worship at church a lot. And so typically about once a month. And I was noticing that I was getting the most symptoms the day after my shot because that's when you have the concentration is highest in your body. And so for just feeling like I could do my job well on Sundays, I switched it to Sunday evenings. And I feel like that either Sunday evening or Monday, I have thrown up like three different times. And it is crazy. You think like, I don't want to throw up. Like every time I've thrown up in my whole life, I'm like, okay, I feel this nausea. I really don't want to throw up. I can just like willpower my way out of it. And it quickly becomes very clear to me that's not possible. But I've only ever thrown up like once at a time. So like I get the nausea, I need to get sick. I get sick and it's over. And of the eight weeks, it's happened three times. Diarrhea is a symptom. I have not had any diarrhea, pancreatitis, and pancreatic cancer. So let me actually go to a question that we had about this. Okay, so Corey said, you look beautiful. Thank you, Corey. Questions. Are you worried about pancreatic cancer? What changes have you made to your diet and side effects for you? Corey, you're spot on. We're talking about side effects. And she specifically asked about the pancreatic cancer. So here's how I feel about this. Pancreatic cancer, from what I can gather, it seems in 2023, the American Cancer Society, which I will post this link in the show notes if you want to look at this more as well. They said that their estimates for pancreatic cancer in the United States for 2023 are about 64,050 people. 33,130 men, 30,920 women will be diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Let's just look at men for a second. There's 162.4 million men as from the 2020 census and 33,130 men will likely get pancreatic cancer. So that puts the pancreatic cancer rate for men at 0.2. I probably should have done this for women, whatever. I did it for men. It's about 0.2% of the population. If I did my math, maybe I didn't, but (laughs) if I did my math, it's 0.2% of the population. Okay, so in table two of this study that I told you about, most studies looking at 101 people, 93 people, 99 people, 99 people, zero cases of pancreatitis and zero cases of pancreatic cancer. So Pioneer 2 study, oral semaglutide, one person out of 289 people got pancreatitis, not cancer, and that was 0.2% of the study. So the next four studies, 0.2% of people got pancreatitis. There are like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven studies that people got pancreatic cancer. And of those seven studies, of the like probably 100 studies listed, those instances were under 1%, 0.2%, 0.1%, less than 1%. So to me, number one, it doesn't feel like people in the study 
got pancreatic cancer at any higher rates than the general population does. So I think that's really important to note, right? It's not at a higher percentage than just the average population gets pancreatic cancer. Additionally, one of the screening questions for are you even able to get on a GLP-1 medication is, do you have a family history of pancreatic cancer? No, I don't. Do you have a family history of thyroid cancer? No, I don't. Okay, so I think that's just like a really important question to ask yourself and really important perspective for pancreatic cancer. What else I will tell you is that, Corey asked this question, what else I will tell you is I'm more concerned about the long-term effects of insulin resistance and technically being overweight. Like I'm more concerned about that and less concerned about the effects of this medication on getting pancreatic cancer, okay? And also, there are just so many negatives that come with being overweight or obese. And according to the CDC, like the effects of being overweight or obese, there's so many. So all causes of death, which is just mortality. So death, right? High blood pressure, which is called hypertension, having high LDL cholesterol, low HDL cholesterol, or high levels of triglycerides. So having cholesterol issues, getting type 2 diabetes, coronary heart disease, stroke, gallbladder disease, osteoarthritis, sleep apnea, many types of cancer, low quality of life, mental illness, and body pain and difficult with physical functioning, okay? So I am much more concerned. I will link that from the CDC in the show notes. I am personally much more concerned with the long-term effects of me being overweight and having high blood sugar than I am about getting pancreatic cancer or thyroid cancer. So for me, and this is like obviously a very personal thing, And so I had to make that choice for myself, which feels more important, looking at the research, looking at what's going on. Yeah, I had to look at that for myself and make a choice. Okay, we're still talking about side effects. So gallbladder issues can be a side effect. That is, for the most part, under 1% of people. I have experienced no gallbladder issues, thyroid issues. Additionally, also under 1% zero for most cases, zero for most gallbladder cases, but when they were seen, it was less than 1%. Diabetic retinopathy, which is caused by damage to the blood vessels and the tissues in the back of the eye, and poorly controlled blood sugar is a risk factor. So early symptoms of diabetic retinopathy include floaters, blurriness, dark areas of vision, difficulty perceiving colors, and I haven't experienced any vision issues since being on semaglutide, acute kidney injury. I have not experienced that. And then they also share in the study, like what percentage of patients with adverse effects leading to stopping taking semaglutide? And that's actually really high. And I did talk to people who had tried semaglutide and got off of it because of the GI effects. I personally feel really committed to this, taking this drug, because I feel so committed to losing weight, and it is helping me lose weight. So even when I have the occasional upset stomach or I throw up, I've thrown up a few times, I still feel super committed to taking this medication because it's working for me. So that is, and because I feel like my symptoms 
aren't so bad. Okay, let's get to some more questions. We have just a few more left. Okay, so Eleanor asked, if your hunger is suppressed, what type of food are you making sure you get in? How are you getting enough protein in? Do you have symptoms right after the shot or later in the week? Super great questions, Eleanor. So I'm basically on a schedule that my health coach, Cynthia Mathis, gave me and it is essentially four-ish weeks of deficit. So like my metabolism, when she was revving up my metabolism, we got it up to like 2,700 calories a day without gaining any weight, which is like insanity. That's so great. That means my metabolism's working really well. Currently, I inject on a Sunday, like I told you, I do a fasting mimicking day on Monday. So I'm actually recording this on a Monday. I'm doing a fasting mimicking day. I essentially eat by 6 p.m. the night before. I try to do fasting mimicking for 16 to 18 hours. I typically eat between 10 and 12 on a Monday. And it consists of two low-calorie, high-fat meals. So each of these are about 250 calories. And they're really high-fat, some vegetables. And that's my Monday. Then I have three 1,300 calories days and three 1,600 calorie days. I do my workouts, my weightlifting, which is important for continuing to build muscle and making sure that the semaglutide isn't eating away at my muscle, but mostly my fat. So I have three 1,600 calorie days and I interchange those. So like 1,300 calories, 1,600 calories, 1,300 calories, 1,600 calories. But let me just say this. This is very personalized to me. This is my specific plan. It's not widely applicable. So don't just do this because I said that I'm doing this. Like you need to be working with a practitioner who's willing to give you like a very specific plan. And then additionally, about once a month, I do a maintenance week at about 2,000 calories every single day. And I don't do a fasting mimicking day. I do 2,000 calories for an entire week. And this helps keep my metabolism revved up, which is what we were just talking about. And this prevents my body from going into a long-term starvation mode. So when you hear about weight loss plateaus, it's because people want to go into a deficit of calories and stay there forever and ever until they lose weight. But what happens is your metabolism really just tanks because of it. And then your body holds on to all of its fat because it thinks I'm in a Saharan desert. I have no calories. I need to hold on to what I can. But I can't tell you enough. Please reach out to Cynthia. Get a consultation call with her because you do need personalized support. T said, appreciate you speaking out on the other side of this. Did you start noticing the weight loss after you increased to 0.5 milligrams after a month? Because T and I have chatted since then. T is also on this medication and she's not seeing weight loss. No, I actually immediately saw weight loss. I lost about a eight pounds in the first week, which was like a little crazy. And I was stress texting Cynthia, this can't be real. This can't be sustainable. I can't do this every single week. That's not sustainable and probably not great for my body. I personally think it's ideal to lose between a pound, two pounds max a week. Other than anything more than that, your body just can't keep lowering its homeostasis that quickly. So no, T, I saw the weight loss immediately. And I would say if you end up losing no weight on some glutide or a similar medication, I would just go back to the basics of if blood sugar is not my problem, then what is my problem? And those are the questions I would start asking because Cynthia herself has been on a weight loss journey and she was on some glutide at one point and lost zero ounces, like 0.0 nothing. And so I think that if blood sugar is your issue, I will say this over and over again, then the semaglutide will work for you. If it's not your issue, then it's just a matter of finding out 
what is. Corey, in her three-part question, I didn't answer this. She also said, what changes have you made to your diet? So I really just outlined for you my three-part week with what I'm eating now. But in terms of what I'm eating, it hasn't changed. Like I was eating really clean before getting on semaglutide and have continued to eat really clean afterwards. But I do think that a specific plan is really helpful. And also like a huge part of the eating plan, even in the 1300 calorie days and the 1600 calorie days, huge priority is protein. If I don't get enough protein, then the body will look to muscles to steal protein from, and that is absolutely not what I want. That will not help with long-term weight maintenance, and so I'm really prioritizing protein. Okay, I want to go back to Danielle's question when she basically was like, I didn't realize insulin sensitivity was part of this and how does that even work? So I read to you one study that I wanted to share and then another medical weight loss website clinic that I looked up called Revis Medical Weight Loss. Also, I'll share this link in the show notes. They talked really a lot more plainly about how this works. And so if the study was a little much for you, let me read this to you. So they say, when semaglutide interacts with the pancreas, It affects insulin production. Insulin is released in response to increased blood sugar, such as when food is ingested, so at mealtime. The pancreas has very specialized cells called beta cells that secrete insulin. Semaglutide increases the secretion of insulin from the beta cells. In addition to this, semaglutide also improves insulin sensitivity throughout the body. What is insulin sensitivity and why does that matter? Well, insulin's job is to remove sugar from our blood and put it into our cells so the body can use it for energy. When we are insulin resistant, which is what I am, the insulin cannot effectively remove the sugar from the blood and put it into our cells. So the process is broken. So when we lack the ability to use the available sugar for energy, the sugar remains in the blood, which leads to diabetes because your blood sugar is just consistently way too high and that leads to diabetes. Increased insulin production and increased insulin sensitivity mean that we can more effectively move sugar out of the blood and into the cells where it can be used for energy production and reduce our risk of developing diabetes. So that's how this medication actually retrains your body to be more insulin sensitive. Okay, just a couple more questions. Darcy asks, any experience with hair loss yet? I loved semaglutide, but sadly lost at least a third of my hair while taking it. Apparently, this is a side effect for some. Stinks because it absolutely works. Okay, so here's my response to this. I The question is, have I experienced it? No, I have not experienced any additional hair loss other than like my normal daily hair loss. And this is interesting to me because hair loss actually isn't listed as a side effect of semaglutide and other GLP-1 medications. And if I had to guess, my guess would be that this is mineral-related Honestly, I think everything's mineral related, not really, but a lot of things are. And this occurs with postpartum hair loss. And a lot of times it's a mineral issue, a potassium issue. And my suggestion would be to up your mineral stores. I personally love taking trace mineral drops in my water every single day. I do trace minerals and some Redmond sea salt for electrolytes, and that's really helpful for me. And so I will link the trace minerals that I take 
in the show notes. Try those. See if that helps with your hair loss issues. And I'm sorry you're experiencing that, but I hope that the other benefits of this medication, you are enjoying those. Kathy asked, I would love to know the cost. I heard insurance is not paying. Is that true? So I am personally paying out of pocket for my semaglutide, and I want to say that my first charge, which I'm still on, was $400, but here's the deal. That actually covered my initial appointment and my first three bottles, my first three months of medication. So to me, I totally understand that is a lot of money. A lot of people cannot pay that much money, and so I want to definitely just acknowledge the privilege that I have that I'm able to pay for that, and I I know that not everybody can. So especially when you take into account all of the billions of supplements that I'm taking and other things that I was doing monthly to help me with healing my body and losing weight, I feel like that is a pretty low cost for three months. It's a little over $125 a month for me. I also did a quick Google search and it seems like some clinics are claiming that they accept insurance. So a lot of these clinics, it's you meet with them for an online appointment, you fill out your medical information, see if you qualify. And then I'm sure if insurance is paying for these, I bet you have to meet certain requirements, like you have to be technically considered obese or have diabetes based on your BMI. And then maybe you need to also have another metabolic disease factor like high blood pressure, high triglycerides to be considered for insurance to cover your medication. But I would just Google it and see if there's a company that claims to have insurance cover this and do that initial consultation with them, share your insurance with them because it's going to be different for every different insurance provider and see if it's possible for insurance to pay. It seems like that might be an option. Okay. Shannon said, I tried Ozempic and I was super sick. So I switched to, I don't know how to say this one, you guys, Monwaro, Monharo, M-O-U-N-J-A-R-O, which I've heard of that, for insulin resistance. I tried everything and nothing worked. I would gain and lose the same five pounds. I started August 2022 and I'm almost 40 pounds down. So super great for you, Shannon. Great job. I need tricks to not be sick the day after injection though. I am on 7.5 milligrams from Shannon. Yay, Shannon. I'm excited for you. Congrats on your progress. Here are my tricks. I take the medication at night. So when it is highest in my system, highest concentration in my system is during that overnight period. I do think that helps a little bit. Additionally, I have found that it's kind it reminds me of that first trimester feeling of pregnancy. If you've been pregnant before of I eat, I have to be sure I eat. If I don't eat, then I start to feel sick. Additionally, using ginger essential oil. Topically, so ginger is a hot oil, meaning you need to dilute it with olive oil or coconut oil and then put it on your stomach. I find that ginger essential oil, both for pregnancy and for semaglutide, helps tremendously. And then lastly, I want to go back to T's question where she said, appreciate you speaking out on the other side of this. And here's the thing, you guys, I feel really comfortable taking this medication. And it was actually my husband who challenged me because I was like feeling guilty about taking a medication and should I do this? And I very much, I say the talk that I'm talking is an integrative world where 
we use the best of Eastern medicine, the best of holistic medicine combined with the best of Western medicine. And so my husband said to me, and he is a doctor, he's a physician. And so he said to me, Caroline, you can't just say you're all for integrative health. And then when it comes to you not be willing to use an integrative approach, not be willing to use Western medication. And I thought that was really great and really true. And so here's the deal. I've seen doctors that I really love and respect in the functional medicine world, just blanket statement, absolutely come out against these medications. And unfortunately, I think that's really harmful. I think that, and especially these doctors who are coming out, I heard one doctor, and here's the deal, it doesn't matter who it is because I still really respect this doctor and love him. He said on an interview for TV, don't take semaglutide, just stop eating junk food. And honestly, that felt really judgmental to me. And he's not thinking of people like me who are following everything else he says, eating a paleo diet, eating really healthy, and I have the lifestyle of a really healthy person, but I had adrenal fatigue, I had really high blood sugar, and now I'm overweight, okay? And so I I just think that it's too much of a blanket statement to say no one should be on this medication. And also, I heard another doctor say that this is like pharma's liquid dream, right? That they would have a medication that you have to be on for for life, that it's this quick, easy magic pill that makes you shed the pounds and you have to stay on it for life. Sure, it might seem like a great option that's quick and easy, relatively painless, which is what everyone wants. But I don't think it's a magic pill because I think that people need to be coming at this from a point of I'm otherwise healed. I've done a lot of this healing work and this is the last piece of the puzzle. I do think that If you haven't done the healing first, you could be on this for life. If you get off it, it will stop working. But what that says to me is there's more healing necessary. So for those of us that are doing the right things and you come to semaglutide as the last answer, then I think you'll be able to get off it. That's my hope. That's my prayer. And so I don't think that it's pharma's pharma's ultimate medication because people will be on it for life. So This is me speaking out against these other functional medicine practitioners who are just blanket statement, very against it. So I feel like I'm able to have one foot in this functional world and eating the paleo diet, doing the right things, and also be taking a medication that helps me get back to a healthy weight. And I feel really good about doing both of those at the same time. As always, if you have any more questions, please don't hesitate to ask. You can send me a DM on Instagram. You can always email hello at allofyouhole.com. I'm always happy to chat. And please reach out to Cynthia. Cynthia Mathis at Cynthia Mathis Wellness on Instagram if you're interested in having a partner, having some support along this journey. And she is who I get my semi-glutide through. She has a partner clinic in Florida and that she has made it happen for me. So that's important for you guys to know too. That's who I get it from. And she's amazing. Reach out to her if you would like support on this journey. So thank you so much for listening today and I will see you next week. 